It's been 15 years since 12-year-old Jalik Rainwalker vanished. His disappearance from rural upstate New York was ruled a probable child homicide. But no one has ever been charged, and his body has never been found. This is Rainwalker, the Lost Boy. I'm Jessica Marshall. And I'm Wendy Lepertor. In this podcast from the Times Union, we'll take a deep dive into this mystery, the case of a missing child that has unsettled New York's capital region and beyond for more than a decade. Episode two, it's Greenwich, not Greenwich. Before we begin, a word of caution. The story we are about to tell involves situations that may be very disturbing to some listeners. So please take care as you listen. Previously on Rainwalker, The Lost Boy. Twelve-year-old Jalik Rainwalker disappeared November 1st, 2007. The biracial preteen was last seen in Greenwich, New York. He allegedly spent the night at his grandfather's house in the center of the small rural upstate village. It's about 40 miles from Albany, the state capital and metro center of the region. It's also about 20 miles from the Vermont border. At the time, Jalik's parents had been attempting to reverse his adoption. They said his behavioral issues and a propensity for violent outbursts was too much for them to handle. A few weeks before he disappeared, his parents say he threatened a child in his homeschool program. After that, Stephen Kerr told police, his wife Jocelyn McDonald forbade Jalik from returning to their house 10 minutes outside of Greenwich. He says he brought Jalik to his father's house to stay on the night of November 1st. On the morning of November 2nd, Stephen reported Jalik missing. He says he found a note on his father's kitchen table in Jalik's handwriting. It read, Dear everybody, I am sorry for everything. I won't be a bother anymore. Goodbye, Jalik. Police say Jalik's parents stopped cooperating with the investigation a few weeks into their son's disappearance. Four months later, they moved to Vermont. Five years after Jalik vanished, authorities ruled his case a probable homicide. Stephen Kerr was considered a person of interest only, which means police thought he may have had more information or was somehow involved. But ultimately, Stephen was never charged with anything. No suspects in the probable homicide have ever been named.
nestled between two ridges, flowing down from the green mountain state. It's cold water rushes over beds of shale and slate. Fifteen years later, Greenwich is a village haunted. Whatever it is that happened to Jalik that night, it's cast a shadow over its inhabitants. Our little village on the bed Our little village on the bed I'd never been to Greenwich before doing this podcast. Fortunately for me, my co-host happens to be an expert on this little village on the Battenkill. My name is Wendy Libertor. I'm a reporter with the Times Union, and I've lived in Greenwich for 32 years. Well, how would you characterize this town? Like, what If you had to explain it to someone like me who's never been here before, like, what would you say about it? Well, it's very rural, and um, it's just a place where everybody knows everybody. Nobody locks their doors. Wendy's originally from the Hudson Valley. She and her husband moved to Greenwich in 1990 because she says... It was a cute little town. They raised their son in a 130-year-old house near the village center. Do you know everybody in this town? Would you would you say that? Uh, no, I don't know everybody in this town, but my husband does. She's being modest. Every time we go for a walk down the main drag, she literally knows every person we encounter. I just you. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. It's been a while. I told During one of our Greenwich walks, Wendy took me to a Civil War monument in a small, quaint, grassy triangle near her house. It pays homage to a local regiment that marched with General Sherman to capture Atlanta in 1864. Just a few feet away is a sign, another dedication, to a dog. Wendy's dog, Sophie, who died in 2018. She was also a um, crossing guard in Greenwich, so they put up a little thing for her. Oh, she's beautiful. Yeah, she was on the search for Jalee because she was search and rescue, therapy, um, and a um, crossing guard. Wendy's connection to this village is strong. It also connects her peripherally to the story of Jalik Rainwalker's disappearance. Okay, at the time that it happened, uh, I was working at the Daily Gazette and I was a features writer, but um, I was, of course, very upset about it because I knew Jalik and I knew Stephen Kerr, not well, but they were in my orbit. Stephen Kerr coached Wendy's son's soccer team in the fall of 2004. Both Stephen and Jalik have been to Wendy's house. They came to an end-of-season pizza party that she hosted for the players and their parents. That was the last time Wendy remembers seeing Jalik. 
It was three years before he disappeared. At the time, he'd been nine years old. Wendy learned more in her reporting on this podcast than she ever knew as a private citizen. Sorry, the baton kill's down there? Yes, it's actually behind these homes. Oh, wow. And then Wendy and I went for lots of walks in Greenwich for this podcast. I feel like I'm getting to know it pretty well. Well, I was actually thinking that that might, might be a good name. The town center looks like something out of a Norman Rockwell painting. Densely packed, yet elegant, Victorian-style houses. Lovingly landscaped lawns and gardens line the side streets. Those give way to inviting cafes and novelty shops that dot the village's main intersection at Salem and Main Streets. The whole village is bisected by the Battenkill, the 60-mile river that flows from Vermont to the Hudson River, ending 10 minutes west of Greenwich. Seems like a great place to live, or at least to go for a relaxing weekend getaway. And uh, here we are. This is the house. This house right here. Just a short block southwest of the main drag on Hill Street is a two-story, 2,300-square-foot single-family house. The front of the 120-year-old home is almost right up against the sidewalk. A short patch of lawn separates it. It has eggshell-colored vinyl siding, and there are taupe-colored shutters on the front windows. There's about... 15 feet between it and its neighbors yeah, on either here side. We are. This is the house. This house right here? Yep. Oh, wow. And this is it. That's where Jalique Rainwalker was allegedly last seen. Greenwich is a village of almost 5,000 people. That's according to the latest census data. It's a mix of income levels. It's overwhelmingly white. Less than 1% of residents are people of color. The violent crime rate? Practically non-existent. The Greenwich School mascot is a witch. Yes, an actual witch like Halloween. Greenwich has a really rich history. It's basically revolves around the bat and kill. In the 1700s, it was where the Mohicans lived and hunted and fished because the Batten Kill is a hardy trout stream. Uh, it attracted uh, European settlers after the French and Indian War. Many Europeans built uh, paper mills, other mills on the Batten Kill. They used the power of the water. Greenwich was originally called Whipple City after the village's most prominent industrialist, Joe Whipple. He started a cotton mill along the Batten Kill in 1804. It was renamed Greenwich in 1867. It's on the historic register. The Underground Railroad went through here. A lot of escaped slaves would come up the Champlain Canal and then they would uh, be hidden in some homes around here and then they would continue up to Canada from here. That's town supervisor Jim Nolan. Ask him about Greenwich history, and he can rattle off a long list of notable people and happenings, 
Susan B. Anthony once lived there, so did former President Chester Arthur. A guy named Gannon, who wrote a um, famous Christmas song. I'll be home for Christmas. Yeah, I'll be home for Christmas. Um, he lived here uh, with his wife. And uh, he, after he passed his way, his wife lived here uh, in a home uh, right at the end of Gray Avenue on Prospect. And uh, when she passed away, she left a sizable endowment for the youth of Greenwich. And the proceeds of that uh, fund are still being used for youth activities. Kim Gannon isn't the only one who wrote a song about Greenwich, allegedly. There's a whole musical about it. They don't know how to pronounce a double T. It's Greenwich, not Greenwich. Say it phonetically. It's Greenwich, not Greenwich. And that's the way it ought to be. It was a fundraiser for the library. It sold out three performances at the local high school in 2004, and they did it again in 2009. People just cheered and cheered and cheered. They especially cheered for the Greenwich song. Um, you know, it's Greenwich, not Greenwich. Say it phonetically. You know, everybody knows that song in Greenwich. Why bother with a rule unless we can agree that the E E should be E and the W should have a sound to serve as an illustration? I wrote this little poem. When we, in the community, heard of Jalik's disappearance, everybody was deeply moved by it, and they rallied. Uh, every, I, I can't tell you how many people went on searches for Jalik. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, the state police, the, the village police. It was the community that went out on searches on the Batten Kill, at the golf course, through fields, through forests, through swamps. It remains today a sore spot among many people in the community, feeling that not enough was done, that this was never resolved. Even 15 years later, go for a walk down Salem Street. You mention the name Jalik Rainwalker, and everyone on the streets, in local cafes, they remember. Okay. Do you, do you know anything about the Jalik Rainwalker case, the boy that went missing? Yeah. yeah, you have. Yeah. Um, just that he went missing and the stepfather was potentially a suspect, and that's it. Yeah. Definitely rocked the village. I mean, it, it was heartbreaking. You know, everybody was concerned. No, I just remember going around, you know, being around here at that time, and he just was constantly on my mind. It was like, you know, he kind of set up camp in my head, and I, I couldn't stop thinking about him and, and trying to imagine where he was. We all just wanted to bring Jalik home, because collectively, as a village, we all felt that loss and sadness and 
uh, frustration. I often wondered if the police didn't start it off right, they didn't manage it right, where did they go wrong, and why, why, why aren't we still looking for him? And who's the suspect? We talked to dozens of people who live in and around Greenwich during our walks. A common thread very quickly emerged, an almost certain belief that Jalik was dead and that someone close to him was somehow involved. And that includes town supervisor Jim Nolan. There's a lot of people, I think, that um, feel that the adoptive father uh, knows more than what he's saying. At this point, it's very important to note that Stephen Kerr has never been charged with anything related to his son's disappearance. So Stephen Kerr and his family, they moved to West River, Vermont. That's only about 20 miles from Greenwich as the crow flies. Um, so it's not like he moved far. He did move out of state, though. So it's it changes the jurisdiction a little bit for the uh, police to question him. But you still see him around Greenwich, right? He works in Greenwich. So therefore, he's at Hannaford. He's been spotted at the library. People see him around. We found him there this summer. I really want to make sure you have the opportunity to talk about Jalik's disappearance. Do you, do you want to talk about that or? Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, Appreciate okay. That. All right. We reached out to Stephen Kerr's lawyer, Jeffrey McMorris, as well. He wouldn't talk to us either because he said he needed his client's permission and his client wasn't returning his calls. We'll be right back. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring in you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union member today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. In 2020, the pandemic hit Greenwich. Like the rest of the world, residents there faced illness, quarantines, lockdowns. And like many across the country and globe, Greenwich citizens took to social media. They sought human connection in a dark time. We immediately saw the need in the community for a community support group. That's Jessica Von Guinness. She was living in Greenwich when Jalik disappeared. She still lives there. She did not know Jalik or his family, but for a young boy to just up and vanish like that, that really bothered her. The unease continued in the intervening years. Jessica thought of him often. She realized she even knew members of his birth family from Albany. And when the pandemic hit, she found herself thinking more and more about Jalik and realizing that she wasn't alone. She co-founded a Facebook group in 2020 called Justice for Jalik Rainwalker, shortened to Justice for Jalik. At this point, Jalik this year would be 27 years old. And there's folks, of course, because as you know, Greenwich is a lovely place to live. They're still here. They're still local. They've grown up and have kids of their own. They still remember Jalik so closely and have been affected so much by his disappearance and, you know, the possible child homicide that has happened to him. So we have turned into um, a support group for the community because the, 
the ramifications of 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 what whomever is responsible for this has done are very very far reaching. As of now, the Facebook group has about 5,000 members. Many of them are Greenwich residents, but many are not. Some are folks from the eight-county upstate New York region who knew about the case from local media through the years, and some were drawn in because they heard about it on a podcast or a television show. Jalik's birth mother is even a member. Posts are fairly regular there, once every few days. Members share thoughts and theories about what happened to Jalik. On August 2nd of 2022, Jalik's 27th birthday, hundreds of people posted comments wishing him a happy birthday. Some of the group's members began to meet regularly on video chats to talk through the case. Wendy and I joined one of their meetings over the summer in 2022. That's when we met Kevin Brock. He's a musician. He's lived his whole life in Greenwich. And he's been one of the most vocal residents about the case since 2007. He has posted every update on the case in the last 15 years on his personal blog. I don't know. I don't know. It just hit me hard that, it, that his child went missing in my hometown, you know. We met Jamie Lee Wilson there, too. She's a Greenwich mom of three. I have righteous rage in a very chill way that this has happened in Greenwich and it seems to have stalled. Like, how are we not saying a 12-year-old boy does not disappear for this long by himself? So either something happened to him and we need to figure it out the truth or he got away and escaped by some miracle. And I pray that that's the truth, even though in my heart, I know it probably isn't. The group secured enough support through donations to buy a booth at this year's Whipple City Festival. It's the town's biggest annual event held every spring. Everyone comes out for it. Justice for Jalik members wanted to keep interest in the case alive. So Jessica, Kevin, and Jamie sat under a tent for hours that day, handing out flyers. They spoke with anyone who passed by. So much, and that's what's so great about Greenwich. It's like it literally, I think Whipple City this weekend just reminded me of like how freaking awesome and magic this town is. And if everybody just like, you know, we're all so banded together anyway. Yes. And like, if we can just capitalize on that, because people want the truth and people do care. The group collectively has many theories about what happened to Jalik. It's fair to say, though, that most, if not all of them, put Stephen Kerr at the center of it all. Why are we not, as a community, collectively outraged that this has happened? And, you know, this man still shops at Hannaford, and he's still, you know, very blatantly just thumbs his nose at the fact that a 12-year-old boy is missing. As we mentioned in our first episode, Stephen Kerr has spent the past 15 years as the only person of interest identified by law enforcement. It's the lens through which much of the public views him. The notion that he may have critical information or be involved in the matter of his son has undoubtedly colored perceptions of him. 
But as we also mentioned, the only actual fact we can go on is that Stephen Kerr has never been charged for anything in connection to Jalik. Back in Wendy's living room in Greenwich, we strategized about how to cover Jalik's story. One of the most difficult aspects of it is that neither Jalik nor his remains have ever been found. Without a body, figuring out what happened to him and proving it, whether there was a crime or not, there's only circumstantial evidence to go on. It's harder to solve that way, but maybe not impossible. Fast forward to, you know, 2022, you know, my editor asked me if I want to do a story on Jalik or, you know, a series of stories and a podcast. And I said yes immediately because it's always disturbed me that, that, that Jalik was never found. No one was ever brought to justice if, you know, he, he was killed. Bob Warren is a retired teacher living in Greenwich. He wrote the music and lyrics to Greenwich the Musical. He's very proud of his little village on the Batten Kill and of the musical he dedicated to it. The storyline was is that a new high school kid comes to town and feels like no matter what she does, she'll never be able to belong because, of course, she's not originally from Greenwich, and she feels it's very difficult for her to feel included. But in the course of the play, she learns about the town, she starts to make some friends, and by the end, she is part of it. To me, Bob Warren's musical seems like a version of Jalik's own story that ended up on the cutting room floor. Jalik was born in Albany, and then he was literally adopted into the Greenwich community. But his Greenwich story doesn't seem to have had that same happy ending. Jalik's case goes beyond Greenwich, far beyond. The story has appeared on several true crime shows and podcasts. Some who know Jalik fear the worst. It's also a popular subject for true crime YouTubers and TikTokers. This is the story of Jalik Rainwalker. Jalik Rainwalker went missing from his adopted parents' home in Greenwich, New York in 2007. I have known about Jalik Rainwalker since the day he went missing, November 1st, 2007. For those of you who don't know the case, please give me 60 seconds of your time because he is still missing. Law enforcement on the case tell us their investigations also took them far beyond the borders of Greenwich, across New York's capital region, even across the country. Next week on Rainwalker, The Lost Boy. The first thing I remember about Jay was his eyes. We'll learn more about who Jalik Rainwalker is, or was. Yeah, I mean, I think Jalik was failed in a lot of ways um, by a lot of people. It's not just one person's fault. And when the rain falls. Rainwalker, The Lost Boy is a Times Union podcast. This series was produced and edited by Wendy Libertor and myself, Jessica Marshall. 
We had help from Lauren Stanforth, Susan Mahalik, Lori Todd, Erica Smith, Tom Crocker, Jeff Shearer, and Casey Seiler. Special thanks to Dan Higgins and Bob Warren, who wrote the music and lyrics to Greenwich the Musical. Archival report footage came from local stations CBS 6, News Channel 13, and News 10, and from Find Our Missing. Our theme song is As You Make the Bed by Amos Noah. Like the way we welcome strangers to our little village on the bad hill. Our little